Hello and welcome back to the Take A Trip podcast. This is episode 8 and today, as you can see by the title, we're going to talk about digital kidnapping. But before I get into this episode, I just want to quickly say, if you listen to episode 7, yes, my dumb ass self said that Sherry Shriner died in 2017. That is not what I was meant to say. I was meant to say that Sherry died in 2018. Thank you to everyone who came out and said to me, hey, you got the date wrong. I fully know I actually re-recorded that segment and tried to update the audio, but I don't think it updated for some reason. And it like briefly updated, but then it just didn't afterwards. I don't know, but I just thought I'd leave it and I would just say in this episode, hey, I got it wrong. I did put it in the description as well. So um, yeah, sorry about that. That's what I get for recording early morning. Well today I'm going to talk about another weird, not very illegal and honestly really concerning thing that happens on the internet quite a lot. I've heard about this quite a bit, it's digital kidnapping like I said and I came across a Dr. Phil episode a few months ago and it caught my attention and ever since I first saw this episode I've thought about it so deeply, it has just troubled me so much. This episode was featuring a husband and wife and they were really concerned about their own safety actually and this is due to a stranger who was stealing photos of their kids online. How creepy is that? So I fell into a bit of a deep rabbit hole with this one. Um, I couldn't obviously report every single story that I'd found but what I could report was a few cases or a few different cases that really sparked my anxiety. So digital kidnapping is defined by Wikipedia as the theft of a minor's photos, posting as them or posting as their parents. Digital kidnapping is commonly done to reveal private or sensitive information that negatively impacts a child's life, making it difficult to gain acceptance to college or subjecting them to bullying. In short, it's a bunch of freaks who like to take photographs from unsuspecting families' social media pages and they live in this weird fantasy world involving these children and it honestly is literally just as creepy as it sounds. So while I was deep into this research, I actually came across a few hashtags that these digital kidnappers use to network and share their images of kids that aren't theirs. So these hashtags were hashtag adoption RP, hashtag kid RP, hashtag baby RP, and hashtag orphan RP. And if you're not really into internet slang, RP stands for roleplay, which is basically when someone takes on a character, sort of an online character, I guess, and they either act out to be that person, or like I said earlier, they act out as the person's parent. So the entire goal of digital kidnapping honestly changes depending on who the perpetrator is. Some people do it to live in an alternate online reality and then other people just pretend to know the children who they're posting. It's just a really weird dynamic they've got going on. I saw an example online and they said, for instance, there might be a baby photo that shows like a baby in a full diaper and the user who posted this will implore that the baby's name is, for example, Baby Ty and Baby Ty was, quote, put into a big basket with his teddy and some milk on the streets. So I came across a few clips from the Dr. Phil show, which I know Dr. Phil is not exactly the most uncancelled person right now. He's been cancelled again and again and again. I just thought that this episode brought really 
good awareness to this very important topic because at the end of the day digital kidnapping can affect anyone at any given time. So this episode is about a couple named April and Nathan who wrote in because they were scared for their personal safety. Dr. Phil covered a few cases which involved digital kidnapping which honestly big up to him because I don't see many documentaries or many of our shows about this as such unless I'm missing something but from what I could find there wasn't really anything around digital kidnapping as a specific thing. So April and Nathan's series of events were like this. In 2012 Nathan and April had their first two daughters, they had two twin girls and they said their names on the episode but I'm not going to say them in my episode just because I think it's a bit weird but both her and Nathan absolutely adored their children right from the start and once she was out of hospital April decided to connect with other mums in the area so she joined a Facebook group for parents from her region. April didn't use her real name on this page though, she used the alias Precious Bundles and she would occasionally post pictures of her twins as babies because she said she just loved showing them off so much because they were so cute, which they are. And April also made these really cute little homemade headbands for her daughters and that was often what she was trying to show off in the pictures, was just their cute little outfits and their cute little headbands, right? So when her twin daughters turned one year old, April received this really strange message from a complete stranger. It was actually a woman from the parent group and she had written to April that she thought someone had stolen photographs of April's twins from the Facebook group and she was claiming to be the twins' mother. Can you imagine the audacity? Like, no, hold on. So here April is at home raising two screaming babies, probably so tired mentally from having twins as her first children like that has got to be the most stressful thing ever and on top of that to have another woman who's out here having a full night's sleep not looking like a mess all the time not dealing with the screaming in her head she's out here saying oh I'm their mother I could not imagine the audacity I would be fuming if I was in April's shoes and so rightfully so April freaked out and she did a bit more digging into this person who was posting his stuff and she found a blog site called Those Small Moments Blog written by a lady named Ashley and on this blog Ashley had written posts about the twin girls essentially making up an entire story by daily entries. So she would literally document her life on a day-to-day basis because she was the supposed mother of these twin girls. The first post on this blog was written in July 2012, right after the girls were born, and it was titled Introducing Adey Array and Camberlyn Renee, with a photograph of the two newborns attached to the post. Yep. She had given this couple's kids entire new identities and she claimed that they were her babies. So obviously this had an emotional toll on April and Nathan. Obviously if you find out that your children are practically being claimed by another woman, it's going to cause some problems and their lives were completely exploited and strangely twisted to fit another messed up fantasy. This person had been practically monitoring their lives now for an entire year and this would continue for the next four years. Ashley did really strange things. She would edit pictures of her and the girls together. Sometimes she would use her own baby pictures and sort of compare how she looked as a baby to how the twins look as babies. She would blur out April's reflections in their photographs and she even boasted online that she 
was the one who spent hours creating these little headbands and outfits that the girls were seen in. But the episode actually took a really dark twist when disturbing new information leaked out about Ashley. Dr. Phil and his team did some digging and they found out that apparently Ashley's mother had been making posts about the twin girls and at a first glance, it looked like she was in on the whole thing. You know, if you was just a random person who added Ashley, if you looked at her mum's post, you would genuinely think that the girls were hers. But Dr. Phil uncovered that Ashley's mother actually died in 2009. So this meant that Ashley was logging into her dead mother's Facebook account to add another character to her already messed up fantasy world. If that isn't creepy, if using your deceased parents' accounts to play into this weird lie that you've already created isn't creepy, then I don't know what is. Now, in the episode, they dug a little bit deeper into who Ashley actually was behind the screen as a human being, and they found out that she had previously spent time in jail because she'd been arrested for burglary, assault, and computer fraud. And she admitted on the episode that she actually had twins of her own in the past, and this was the truth. She had to sign her parental rights away because she had gone to prison. So this led me to think about Ashley's mental health. Obviously, I'm not a doctor, but I feel like if she was creating this fantasy world, it looks like it's a way to grieve the loss of her own twin daughters. So meanwhile, Nathan and April had hired a PI, this PI added Ashley on Facebook and was able to sort of infiltrate and find a lot of secret information that Ashley had been able to hide from Nathan and April. The PI found that Ashley lived eerily close to the couple and she had even posted comments that her quote mother-in-law had current custody of the twins and that Ashley added in a comment that she was going to get her kids back quote very soon. And this immediately alerted April and Nathan. They actually ended up calling the police on Ashley. The police were unable to arrest Ashley because she hadn't actually done anything illegal. All she had done was repost some photos and tell a couple of lies. And this is the real problem with digital kidnapping because there's no technical crime being done. If they're just using your photos alone, they can pretty much get away with it in most cases because there's no real crime in taking someone else's photo. The real crime comes in when photographs are protected by copyright and other little things like that. But if they're threatening you or using your name, they can definitely get in trouble for that. And they can get in trouble for impersonating you. And if they make online threats, they can get in trouble for that too. In Nathan and April's situation, they didn't have anywhere to go at this point. They were completely stuck, but the horror doesn't stop there. They made one final shocking discovery. April's PI that she had hired went into Ashley's photographs on her Facebook page and she noticed that Ashley, okay, check this guys. Ashley had printed and hung photographs of her twin daughters. So April's twin daughters, their photographs were all over Ashley's house. Bearing in mind, Ashley doesn't even know the family, let alone the daughters. So she's essentially got photographs of random kids all over her walls. She had them on her bedstand. She had them above her bed, on the end of her couch, on her walls, absolutely everywhere. And in this segment of the episode, I saw April get really upset. She was definitely feeling quite emotional about this part because I just can't imagine seeing your pictures of your children in someone else's house. The, the thoughts that must run through your head, I can't imagine. 
April and Nathan had fallen victim to this strange online ritual carried out by huge communities. They even went to the extent of installing security systems to their home and Nathan even decided to start carrying around a pistol because he feared for his family's safety that bad. So like I said earlier, these communities will take these images and post them into alleged private conversations and forums, which I was completely unable to find, but to be honest with you, I don't think I really wanted to find them in the first place. I found an article on courts and they reported on this whole situation. They said, sometimes it seems people role play as the child, making up a backstory just for that child and interacting with others as if they were the child but other times they adopt the child to be part of a larger roleplay. With intricate plot lines and relationships, in family roleplay accounts, multiple people interact with each other, pretending to be couples, siblings, or parents to children, and the photos are just for aesthetics. Rarely is there continuity about how a family looks. For instance, someone might post a picture of a happy-looking couple with a comment like, this is my baby, I love him so much to establish a romantic relationship, but they will post a picture of a completely different man with a child saying, so blessed to be a great dad to my children. So the photos, as it seems, establish the look and feel associated with the characters, but it appears rare that a role player will use the same real child's photos for their entire account. So the online community does go undetected for the most part, like I said, but part of me knows that there's got to be some really messed up reddit tag somewhere or forum dedicated to these weirdos, but I just don't think I have the stomach to look into it because I know it is just going to be a cesspit of paedophiles and other creeps and I'm not mentally prepared to even go there right now, honey. I also wondered what the mental, like, psychological side of this would be. Because in Ashley's case, she sounds like she's having a really hard time accepting her reality of not being able to see her twin daughters again. So it's like she piggybacks off of another family's life to keep some kind of structure in her own life. Today.com wrote an article about women who use reborn dolls to grieve the loss of their child. And Today.com pointed out that, I would be concerned, however, if someone who lost a baby grew too attached to their doll, this could indicate that their grief is not being resolved and having this kind of doll risks almost being too literal and concrete to them. Obviously, this isn't the same thing as digital kidnapping. Women owning reborn dolls is completely harmless and it's a very okay thing to do. You're not hurting anyone by doing it. Do your thing, honey, whatever gets you through it. But there lies a similarity which involves grief in this case and it's grief around children. And maybe for Ashley, initially, the whole thing, the whole stealing photos, fake fantasy thing started with grief, but maybe it gradually evolved into delusion and obsession to a point where it's now endangering an entire family. A few of the posts that I did find online under one of the hashtags looked as if they were trying to advertise the child in the photograph kind of as an adoption kind of situation but they kind of listed them as if they were pets or objects just think of like a craigslist or gumtree ad you know if you're selling a table you'd say okay so it's this table it has this many legs and it's this color and it's for this usage it's for outdoors it's for indoors right so in these posts they would make these really weird sort of character profiles explaining the child's likes, dislikes, age, gender, weight, and even the child's sexuality. Like they're out here posting pictures of like 
newborns basically talking about their sexuality like that does something to me that boils my blood on a whole other scale because that is just disgusting and I feel like it should definitely be illegal because it certainly does feel illegal so while I was trying to get out of this rabbit hole I saw another story this story wasn't necessarily a digital kidnapping in the sense that people's lives had essentially been copied and pasted into another person's reality however this case is still really unsettling to me because it just tells you the other extreme of digital kidnapping this one involves an individual or a gang who can hold a person hostage digitally and demand a ransom from their family members successfully. There are multiple theories surrounding why criminals do this and what they gain from it. Some people think it's purely for money, but it honestly depends on the type of scam that you're blessed with because other people claim that it's there to lure individuals into sex trafficking traps. AARP released an article about what they described as virtual kidnapping and they told the story of two sisters who lived in LA and they shared this bone-chilling experience with one of the most cold-hearted scams I've ever heard of in my life. In June 2018, a woman received a call from what seemed to be her sister. The caller ID on the phone displayed her sister's name, number and photograph so she just took it as okay, my sister's calling me, let me pick it up. However, when the woman picked up the phone, she was met with a southern sounding man who was rapidly shouting things at her on the phone. He said, we have your sister, nothing's gonna happen if we get the money, we just want the money. And just like that, the woman realized that her sister had apparently been kidnapped and her life was in danger over some ransom money. But this woman, she had her sister's back and she wanted her sister to return home safe, so she complied with what the kidnapper ordered. In the article, the woman said, in the moment I was panicked. It was past 10 at night. I thought she was kidnapped. I thought she was walking back to her car and got snatched. I thought they were gonna kill her if I didn't give them money. The woman was ordered to send four payments, which totaled to around $1,750, and it was paid through a mobile payment app. And she even said that after her first Venmo payment to the man, he was still on the phone to her and he shouted, put down the gun, she's gonna give us money. The perpetrator took all of the woman's money and once her account was drained, he hung up and left the woman without any idea of how her sister was doing or where she even was. Shortly after the call ended, the woman was able to track her sister down by phone. It doesn't say exactly how in the article, it just says by phone. And the woman was horrified to find out that not only was her sister completely fine, but she had not encountered any strange men that night. And she too was a victim of a scam which took $700 from her. And this scam was apparently to save her 34-year-old sister. So both sisters fell for the same scam at the same time. The 34-year-old woman said that digital kidnapping is a highly sophisticated act and she knew not to send strangers money, but this situation caught her so off guard as the involvement with her sister just made it so much more emotionally triggering. I've also heard of other cases, such as people getting calls from men, demanding ransom or direct action from people on the phone, and these phone calls often 
feature a distressed woman or child calling for help in the background and sometimes they ask for money in the form of gift cards or they'll even go as far as asking people to get in their cars and beep the horn to confirm they're inside and then they will force you to drive to a location to leave money. And this article also reported that there was a bunch of federal employees that also got attacked by these weirdos in America and it's kind of funny because this attempt at the scam completely flopped because they tried the whole we've got your daughter vibe but none of the employees involved actually had a daughter so it was kind of like a little bit awkward and the scammers definitely didn't win that round. I couldn't really find many UK-based sources when it comes to these type of scams, so I believe they're predominantly carried out in the US. Don't quote me on that though. In this article, there was also some very good advice from the FBI regarding how to act if you ever find yourself caught up in one of these digital kidnappings, because I'm telling you now, it's not uncommon. So the first thing is to stay calm. Try and slow down the pace and don't share any personal information about you or any other family members. Ask to speak directly to the victim. Always ask them, how do I know my loved one is okay? Just to double check that they're actually there. Ask the victim to call back from their mobile phone, if they can. And if the victim does speak, try and ask or say something that only you two will understand so you can verify that it's them. If the victim cannot talk though, try and get the perpetrator to describe something about the victim, like their appearance or what car they drive. And to buy time, repeat the caller's request. If they ask you to send them $100, you repeat, okay, so you want me to send you $100 and just say that you're writing it down. But really and truly, this is just to buy more time and waste seconds because they add up to minutes. And the last point is don't challenge or argue with the caller. Make sure to keep your tone calm the entire time. Obviously, if you think someone you love is in immediate danger, please call the authorities as soon as possible. Don't wait around. Just make sure you do the best thing that you believe is right in that situation. So yeah guys, that's your weekly dose of bad vibes from me. This stuff isn't really something that I would usually cover, but I feel like this information is definitely important and anyone who uses the internet really needs to know that not everyone who consumes your content is a nice person. And if you have kids, please be careful because there are huge creeps online who don't always have you or your family's best interests at heart. So be sure to always review your privacy settings um, if you're posting pictures of your kids. Maybe make sure it's to specific groups of friends. Don't let just anyone see them because that's where these unsolicited people become involved. And always have a look out for new features that are being added to the security settings as well. That's a thing because I will just casually go on my privacy settings sometimes on my social media and I'll be like, hey, I didn't even know this existed. They're always adding new little things here and there so you can really personalise your experience on social media now. And also the privacy agreements. Make sure you keep reading those. I know it's boring, but it's definitely worth it. And these companies, they can do anything with your photos. You know, if you sign up to a new app and it says, hey, uh, agree to this to use our app maybe try and read through it sometimes because there's often a lot of sketchy stuff that's going on in there. So thank you for listening to episode eight of the Take A Trip podcast. We're almost at the big face reveal, guys. My YouTube is in the description. So subscribe if you're listening still because I'm gonna be posting the video format of the podcast soon, showing you my wonderful face every week. So you've got something new to look forward to. 
I think I've got some more true crime cooking up for next week. So make sure you stay tuned by following me on whatever you're listening to me on right now. So just click that little follow button and also follow me on Instagram at Take A Trip Podcast so that you can share your views on the things that I talk about. Thanks for tuning in again. I'm Leah and this was your new favourite podcast, the Take A Trip Podcast. Bye.